Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Scott Soshman. And I'm Evan Novi Williams, and this is the Icy Hot Sports Business Podcast, The Sportacast. Kurt Bodenhausen joins us, and Kurt, I'm going to tell tales out of school here. Did you notice Eben's enthusiasm dropped on the second delivery? <laughs> it did. I, I, I wanted to see if he could do it. Truth be told, audience, that we had a little uh, tech snafu, so we had to re-record just the first minute or so. I was concerned I was going to dip in my energy for, for the good conversation we had, but Eben, you started low. That is I, not good. I think the intro is less fun when I know exactly what I'm doing, and it's yeah. more fun for me when I'm making a decision right before we start. Well, I um, understand, but you know the great ones have to perform, and you know the lights came on, and you did not perform. That is true. Great one. Is that a uh, allusion to what we're talking about here? Was that intentional? Of, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> when I hear great one, I think Michael Jordan, so I'm not sure really where you're I mean. What? The great one. <laughs> oh, hold on a second. Kurt, wait, Kurt, wait in here. I, so, I don't know wait, what I actually, I actually, now this is where my brain was ahead. I actually did that to see the reaction. And okay. I, I mean, now. Well, success. I, Kurt was great. That was fantastic. Number 99, paging number 99. All right, so we joined uh, Kurt because it is valuations time. This time it's the National Hockey League. Um, we can put you on autopilot if you like. You know, tell us what you think. Fans need to know uh, top line stuff, and then we will drill down. Well, first of all, Evan's a pro. That delivery was just as good second <laughs> thank, time thank around. You, thank you, Kurt. Oh, such BS. <laughs> My favorite guest. You know, yeah. you know darn well he delivered much more energy on the first one. He was like, I see hot. And then we did a whole thing about trademark infringement and what, what product Shaq pitches, and we never even got to that. So put it anyway. in the archives. Yeah. Yes. Uh, top line business is good in the NHL. Uh, valuations up 29% on average, $1.31 billion. Uh, NHL's come a long way in a short amount of time. Uh, teams generate $6.8 billion. Wait, can I jump in, in with why? What's, what's the number one why? Why has the NHL come a long way in a short period of time? Um, a couple things have been going on. Uh, one, I think, is a recognition that. Franchises were undervalued for a long time, uh, which we've heard about. And you're starting to see it in terms of the investors that are coming into the sport right now. So we're seeing prices, particularly on the bottom of the scale, uh, sell for much higher than traditionally we had. You know, A lot of the teams that were trading for the better part of a decade, they were trading for two to four times revenue is what we saw. Ten transactions between 2011 and 2019, 2020, eight of them sold between 
two and four times revenue. So those Ottawa, are the smart buyers. Those are the smart investors. Smart investors. Ottawa just sold for nearly seven times revenue. Uh, we were seeing teams at the bottom. It was Carolina, uh, Florida, Arizona, seemingly every other year uh, was changing hands. Um, and I think there's a little bit more recognition in the marketplace uh, as we've seen institutional investors come in and more money look at this asset class uh, that we've been talking about for multiple years. Uh that, that any seat at the table is pretty good. Uh, so, yes, would I rather be in New York or Chicago uh, or Montreal? Sure. But Ottawa's not bad. Florida's okay. I'll take it. Uh, and so, so we're seeing that just, in the NFL, NBA, and, and I think it, it stands with the NHL as well. Is this the scarcity value argument? Is that, I mean, it really, is that what it boils down to? They only have so many of them? It's, it's 100% scarcity value. And the entry price is so much better. So mm. the, the pool of investors that is, that is fishing... NBA, NFL, really limited. You're talking $5 billion average in the NFL. NBA is probably $4 billion. So if you can get in, buy a majority control stake in a major U.S. sports league and the valuations, $1 billion, $1.2, that's pretty good. And you can capture a lot of the same economics that you can in the NBA. You don't don't have the big TV contract, but you control your arena. If you're if you're the New Jersey Devils, control the Prudential Center, which is you know just booking concerts left and right out of there and generating Disney on ice, baby. I say it's it's the it's the uh, the suburban uh, four wheel drive vehicles coming in every weekend to see what's playing. Prudential's a top ten arena in the world in terms of uh, gross ticket revenue from concerts. So you know. The, the, the devils capture that, uh, and so they, they operate the building. And, and so those same economic opportunities, again, you don't have the TV contract. Uh, oh, wait, although wait, although TV contracts in Canada are pretty no, good. I, I was just going to say, if you, if you <laughs> add Turner and ESPN to what the deal is north of the border in Canada, you've got many a billion dollars. Of that. I mean, that's a good nugget. From where you're starting, yeah, no, 100. Uh, but you're talking about teams generating, you know, we're at 30 million dollars a year uh, from national TV compared to you know 300 million in the NFL. So uh, it's different scale of things. But on the local level, you know, those teams still have the same opportunity. Super passionate fan base who who are willing to spend money at their arena. I mean, the arena drives these businesses. Uh, more than 70 percent of their revenue is coming from the arena. Uh, so th- that's where teams can really differentiate themselves. To, to add some numbers to this conversation about different sports, Kurt, I looked at the, the your year-over-year year increase in valuations. Last time you did Major League Baseball, 3% increase. Last time you did NBA, 16% increase. You just said it, NHL this year, 29% increase. So it, it's clear that the NHL valuations are growing at a clip that is faster than what you would think of How as much a of that was kind due of to overall sports, sports number. How much of that, that 29% is, is, is it? So Ottawa set the market. It's a controlled stake sale. Ottawa set a new bar, uh, similar to what we saw in the, the NBA, where, where sales for Charlotte, uh, you know, arguably, you know, Charlotte, Milwaukee, you know, just is raising that, that bottom tier of, of clubs. Um, and so, you know, the, the, again, we'll forget the Coyotes. Uh, Columbus we have at number 31, $880 million. Um, so, so really, we're seeing the biggest gains at, at the bottom. Um, but, but we've seen transactions at the top as well. Uh, LP stakes in the Canadians, 
uh, the pension fund in Ontario buying into Maple Leaf Sports at a big number, uh, which I mean, Maple Leaf Sports obviously owns the Maple Leafs, uh, as well as the Raptors and Toronto <laughs> Very well-named company. <laughs> <laughs> hello, Larry Tannenbaum, saying hello. Uh, yes, Ra- Raptors uh, Sports and Entertainment. Uh, maybe, if they, maybe if they do it all over, it would be Raptors Sports and Entertainment. Probably not. Jim Pilata wouldn't the, be happy with that. There, there's a team here, Kurt. I think the answer is maybe nothing special, but the Carolina Hurricanes, sixty percent uh, year over year increase in valuation. Is there something specific about what they're doing? I'm not sure if I've ever seen in, in all of my years following your numbers. I'm not sure if I've ever seen a team get a sixty percent increase in valuation in, in year over year Tom outside Dundin of maybe genius. NWSL. Yes. Yeah, we probably should have dug into uh, in the text, but I, I was writing long already and wanted to spare the editors uh, beyond the twenty five hundred words I think we wrote. Uh, well, we have the, the for the main story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why we're here. Tell uh, us the story. So. Carolina, uh, again, traditionally a, a, a bottom five franchise. And so 100% get a boost from that low uh, that threshold going up in terms of the stick value uh, of an NHL franchise right now. But Carolina, their finances have turned the corner dramatically. I, I mm. mean, they've built a very solid uh, season ticket base, looking at cutting off season ticket sales. I, I mean, they are a really strong market. We, we've heard for years uh, and you guys have watched this. Uh, hockey doesn't work in the South. Uh, the, all these franchises, it doesn't work. There's a lot of them having. I mean, Tampa, you know, turned the corner a long time ago. Carolina is having a lot of success. Florida is having success. Um, so, so we're seeing these uh, again. Leave the Coyotes out of the conversation. But the, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> <laughs> these other franchises are having a lot of success. And also in Carolina, and we talk about this all the time, I mean, in terms of related business, how you can capture revenue outside of the hockey team, just to prove more than $400 million worth of renovations, which are going to happen in the building, and go towards the development around the arena. So that helps drive value uh for the franchise. Someone recently did, I think it was ESPN, but did a um, Vegas Golden Knights documentary about the first couple of years and the and the championship and all that. And in the beginning of the documentary, Dave Hockman at MLB texted me about this. They're showing clips of, of media hating on the decision to move to, to Vegas. And one of the clips is me on Bloomberg television. They like chopped and screwed an interview that I had done <laughs> about how attendance in like the South will never work. In says the Southern, he, he, li- almost literally. Yeah. And I like, I'm bulletin board material for like how the national media apparently did not think Vegas was going to work, which is not something I ever said. Um, but it's like me spouting off attendance figures for the coyotes and for the Panthers and for the lightning, I think as well. And maybe the Carolina hurricanes were in there as well, but I thought that was funny. I like immediately went to look at it and I was like, I, I don't look so good in this, but like this interview is, definitely like cut up in a way I think to make it to underscore the point in a way I did not mean it he always throws an underscore in there I hate that but but Kurt I mean can I look at let me ask you this if I'm an owner of a team let's say I own a hockey team all right I want to look at who's really you know firing on all cylinders it's great so I'm gonna look at the Patriots okay so what do they do they spend almost nothing on their building like whatever three three hundred plus million right for an NFL stadium fine no no big deal I don't care if there's metal benches it's uncomfortable doesn't matter people are gonna show up anyway then you buy the land around it. Then you develop it with bars and restaurants. So you give people uh, a place to go before. You give people a place to go after. Then you tell your season ticket holders or whoever, hey, I'll pay you 50 75 bucks if you'll agree not to leave the stadium within the first hour after the game ends. Right? So that, that, that kind of alleviates the egress. 
Uh, and then what are those people going to do with that money? They're going to go across the street to the bar and the restaurant <laughs> that you own, and they're going to spend the money there, and then some. So, I mean, it makes no, it's, I mean, look what Steve Cohen just announced, what he wants to do around City Field. Because there's no, what do you do at City Field? You show up before the game, you go, and then you leave. You have to have that customer as part of the day, before, after. Like, that's how you're going to really generate some significant revenue on these franchises. It can't just be the, the three hours or so that they're in the building, right? Absolutely. And I, and I think that maybe Jonathan Kraft would, would maybe take offense. They have sunk a few hundred million dollars into the I stadium know, over the, the last the, couple yeah, of years. Yeah, but it's not a one and a half billion dollar <laughs> Met Life is it, what it, I'm it, saying. It's it, not it, five billion so far. It, it, it's not. Um, they, went on, they went on the bottom end of, you know, when they went shopping, they were like, you know, we can go to page well, six of the brochure. At, at the time, though, it was a very expensive building. but the, Hogwash. The, the value, the cost to build an NFL stadium is up a lot over the past 20 years, uh, 25 years uh, for that matter. Uh, 100% Scott and the advantage of these places. So they are downtown. And if you can control that, you know, in many cases they are downtown. And if you can control that immediate area around it and provide offerings Edmonton Oilers I mean they've built it out way beyond I was just ask about the Oilers, way, way yeah. beyond just uh, uh, around the arena I mean into you know office buildings yeah. and all sorts of stuff going on but what they are doing is really trying to take advantage of right around that area for that game day experience and, and bring people down potentially on non-game days as well so they just built a stage right outside uh, of their arena where they're going to offer where they've just kind of started ramping up in terms of offering events, going to offer more music events, uh, and just scaling it to a different level than the big act that's going in the arena. Kurt, I've, I've said this on the show before, and Eppin knows it, but like, I'm always marveling at when you know the focus group of one team, where we're up in the Boston area or somewhere near Foxborough, invariably between games, all right, where are we going to go to lunch? And everybody wants to go to Patriot Place, only because yeah. it's like Patriot Place and the stadium is there and... Who and I, I doing what I do? I can't. I'm like, why are we going there? Like, and I, I mean, except for the Olive Garden, the Olive Garden is there. I got it. But other than that, like, why do I care that a restaurant is within spitting distance of a stadium where nothing's going on that I can see it? But they all want to go to Patriot Place. I just don't get it. Wow, that, 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 that's why these teams are such successful businesses because yeah. the affinity it, it is hard to match. Sticky, it's sticky. Yeah, one sticky. of my one of my big takeaways from the NFL Stadium series we did this the, earlier this year was just how different it is if you own a stadium, an NFL stadium, in terms of trying to get other events there versus what it is in a in an eighteen thousand seat arena. Right, the, there are NFL stadiums that do maybe 20 events a year and tops 12 of them are NFL events, right? Some of them are even, are even fewer. Yeah. Uh, whereas if you are a, a concert venue and you're downtown and you have 18,000 seats or whatever in, in, in the NHL or NBA, uh, there's ton, ones that are doing t- I mean, Madison square garden has 300 probably, but yeah, the, 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 the difference economics in this conversation when you're talking about a football team versus an NBA or an NHL team, which has an indoor arena, it's much smaller. It's way more accessible for most fans and also for a lot of actors. Um, yeah, it makes a huge difference on the, in the economic. Let me spin this forward for you, Eben, though, in terms of on the larger scale, and I think how the the economics are going to change, especially when the price, the entry point is so high. Mm-hmm. When this new Washington football team commanders stadium gets built, I am a betting man on the RFK site, but when that happens, I don't think you're going to see the model being 20 events a year. You're going to say, hey, Taylor Swift, we need you for seven. Hey, you too. Hey, whatever. You know, hey, can you take a break from the sphere and come and do whatever? But I think the model is going to be a significant number of events at a huge 70, 80,000 seat outdoor venue. So you, you think that, is, that has a, a dome or no? 
No, I don't think it has a dome. So, so automatically, if it doesn't have a dome, you're 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 taking six six months or so, five months out of the know, year no, that means, you're not having. No, it means you got to figure something right? out. No, it means you, maybe you have a winter festival, like like they do with Fenway. Maybe you do more monster truck. I don't know. I'm yeah, just saying. I think the model is going to be big, more fill it, use it. E- even Nashville, the new Titan Stadium, is going to be domed because even the weather there, they were like, we want to be year round, and the only way to be year round, even in Tennessee, is to is to have a dome on the stadium. So, so yeah, I think it's super interesting. And, and you're right. There's going to be the SoFi has a lot more events than than what the Cincinnati Bengals do at, at Paycor or whatever the stadium's called now. Um, but yeah, I think the, the economics are different, uh, and I hadn't thought about that enough. I don't think. And by the way, my mic flag is missing. We had to for we had to take them all for a trip. So Kurt, don't I didn't want you to feel bad. Evan's got the pretty mic flag. Mine's oh, you missing. Know it. I, I think what you have to think about though. I mean, there are only so many musical acts that can fill a 70,000, 80,000 person stadium. So yeah, 100% Taylor Swift can do it. You too can do it. Uh, but but the number is not very me, limited. Not me. I'm not saying not, I can do it. No, no, no. Okay. You uh, can do 10,000. Uh, <laughs> but there there are I mean the Prudential Center had 67 shows last year. Uh, there are a lot more acts that, that can fill 10,000, 15,000. But what yeah. the bigger stadium, the NFL stadiums, I think, have to think about is is these, you know, it doesn't have to be 75,000 people. Yeah, you can do, you can do a corporate, 50. you can do a corporate, but you can do a corporate event. You can do it right. like people like being at, to be, your point. As we said, event, right. They want to do the Olive Kids Garden. Kids like doing it. Uh, yeah. Executives like being it. And, and yes. you can figure out a, uh, something that's going on in a suite uh, or, or a big conference space that holds 1,000 people, you know. That 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 changes the dynamic. In terms I went of to where, a bat mitzvah you know. once at the old Giant Stadium, and to this day, it's like the only bat mitzvah I remember. <laughs> to your point, Kurt, <laughs> I was like, "This is amazing." <laughs> did you get to do anything on the field? Like, what, we anything? didn't. We did not get to go on the field. It was up in like the the essentially like the luxury suite area. Um, but the, they turned the lights on on the stadium. It was cool. It was like a, well, it was exactly the kind of thing that that Kurt, a lot of people corporate wise would also I, want to do. I don't think you were with Sportico yet, Kurt. So for, forgive me if you were. But we did an event a few years ago at Barclays Center. And our folks said, oh, you know, it's great. We're partnering with, with, with the Nets. It's going to be wonderful. At the end of the day, we're going to get to go on the court and play basketball and shoot and whatever. My knee jerk was like, so what? Who cares? Yeah. What do you mean we're going to go on the court? Like, this means nothing to me. Nothing to me. And this is a sports business conference. These are people who work in the industry. And man, oh man, Mr. Badenhausen, I could not have been more wrong. They were so excited to be on the court and playing and playing horse. And I think we've got some photos of Nova Williams taking some really awkward looking shots. But I mean, I, I just had to say I, I was so wrong. They shot. loved it. They, and these are people who work in the industry. It didn't matter. It's a place they hadn't been, an experience they wanted, you know, an Instagram moment, whatever you want to say. Big hit. So... I mean, I, uh, this is just on the grander scale to the general public. Any chance to touch and, and utilize the stadium? Yep. I mean, Green Bay's done that with all of the, the – they have indoor out there. They, they've done that. They're trying to utilize um, Lambeau Field for far more than just football games. Yeah, no, absolutely. If you, uh, that, that, that fan affinity uh, is, is <laughs> impossible to beat and, and provides more opportunity. I, I mean, t- if these teams recognize they're not – they're not fully tapping into that fan affinity uh, in terms of monetizing it. Uh, and, and, and you don't have to just be the people that are coming on game day, but there's so many other fans that just want to touch the just experience. Look at it. Yep. Take yep. the pictures. Yeah. Yep. And let me bring it back to the NHL, by the way, because I think, as you just said, it's sort of a lot of ge- uh, revenue generated from the building on game day, the whole thing. One of the assets 
that I think is so underutilized in the NHL. And if I owned a team, I would remember how we say, Eben, that nobody really differentiates themselves really well. I yeah. would have, I'm telling you, my warm up, you know how the players come out for their, their skate for warm up and then they go back and cover for the game? That warm up period, I would make that the biggest carnival festival for kids you'd ever seen. That means people have to come to the arena early, buy the cotton candy, buy the whatever. I would make sure all of my players understand it is part of your job while you are out there warming up. Every single one of you has to chuck 20 pucks into the crowd. Put it on your stick, throw it over, whatever. I would have those pucks not just be the black pucks that you use in practice. I would have it be with the game logos, you know, the team logos, the date for like whatever the 0.2 cents a unit more it costs to do that. Fans showing up, more time, more engagement, more, more, more everything. I have yet to see a team that understands how to fully monetize and drive engagement during that warm-up period. They're the players, a lot of them don't have their helmets on. They can see there's signs. You get those sports center moments where you read the sign, you do something, you high-five, you take a picture, whatever. I want you engaged, and I want the kids having fun. That is my first order of business as an NHL owner. I'm revamping my pregame. Can we uh, can we talk about the Coyotes for a second? Uh-oh. Um, we, we kept excluding the Coyotes. And I, I was I, just with, as you know, I was just in Arizona with Javier Gutierrez, friend of the program. 100%. And, and, and just looking at your numbers, Kurt, the gap between 31 and 32, the gap between the Coyotes and the Blue Jackets is, is essentially the same gap as the, as the gap between number 31 and number 20 between the Blue Jackets and, and the Dallas Stars. They are an outlier valuation-wise at the bottom in a way that no other U.S. league has, unless I'm wrong, Kurt. Uh, I'm just curious what you think about the the, the continued ex- experiment there. It, it is a, a, a team that's financially, at least, in a, in a weird stadium spot as well. Um, weird? I, they don't have one. There's, there's so much rumor. There's so much talk about the Coyotes moving, being sold, whatever it is. I'm just curious what you think about, just when you dive into the numbers, about just how different the Coyotes' business is than Every other NHL team there is. Yeah, hundred uh, uh, percent. The net revenue that we present uh, is dramatic, more than twenty million dollars lower. Uh, and the only reason it's that close is because they're by far receiving the biggest revenue sharing check, more than thirty million dollars a year. Uh, if you were to strip that out, uh, the gap is gigantic mm. um, between them and, and, and the next lowest revenue team. Uh, probably the hardest team to val- uh, value because. Uh, there, there's so many balls in the air and p- potential scenarios. What could happen? So we're, we're, that that is really the the, the slot level the, or uh, the stick value or, 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 or slot to get into the league. Um, but they're playing in a college arena, so the, the, a the, small one too. A, a small <laughs> one. Mullet so, arena. So the, the 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 valuation question comes down to, you know, if we're to move. It immediately is more valuable franchise, assuming it's moving into a, a, a city with a, with an arena to play in uh, and going to be able to capture some of those revenues. Uh, and so the value, though, it, so the, the value is going to be more than that. But how much are the current owners going to capture? Because what's going to happen is the NHL is 100 percent going to want some sort of relocation. The other owners are going to want some sort of relocation fee like we saw when Atlanta moved. And, and so what is that fee? Is it, is it 100 million? Is it 200 million? Is it 300 million? Uh, so uh, ultimately, this, this should Quebec, be a billion Quebec dollar franchise. Worth at least 300 million dollars. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so, but but again, their current situation is is very challenged uh, with revenues again before revenue sharing, well under a uh, hundred million dollars a year, even even including the national TV money that they're getting. So now that we're th- near the end here, Evan, should we tell everybody sort of like the top five? Like, should we do that at least? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> we just launched it. Now. Sure. I'm doing it on my phone, as you can see here, Kurt. So like, I'm glad you included the logos, because if I had to see the print, it'd be very, very difficult for me at an advanced stage. Maple Leafs, number one, followed by the Rangers, Le Habitant, um, Blackhawks, and Bruins. There's a lot of original six there, my friend. I'm, right. I'm sensing, lot, I'm sensing something. Six. And, and, and new logo for the Bruins this year, celebrating yes. 100 years. Oh, okay, and hundreds. Either I think the Rangers are like what three years away from a hundred years. Is that? I think we're. I think we're coming up yeah. on there. That's going to yeah. be a nice opportunity for somebody there too. We're going to hear a lot about it. That it would be my guess. Hmm. Evan, your, and, your, your and thoughts because you're yeah, a hockey well, guy. There's a few things that jump out to me, like the the and, and this is true in a lot of leagues, but the the the, the best teams are not particularly high on this list, right? The, the 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 most three most recent teams to win Stanley Cup titles, unless I'm, I'm forgetting one, the Golden Knights are number 11 here, the, the, the Lightning are number 12, the Avalanche are number 15. Um, it, it is every 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 time you do these, Kurt, it's a good reminder to me that the, the Knicks can be the most valuable or the second most valuable team in the NBA, and the, and the Maple Leafs can be the most valuable team in the NHL, even though they are historically bad from a winning titles perspective. Uh, really just shows that the, the success on the, on, on the field or on the ice or on the court is actually not that, it's not always in Indicative of, of how valuable your team is. hundred uh, percent, and the Cowboys in the NFL. As Cowboys, Cowboys are fans the will always. I was waiting. You. I was waiting uh, to see who was going to jump on that. You know, one. And, and, but what is what is nice about the NFL, and what is what is a plus for these these smaller market teams, though, is you can buy one and compete. So, yep. because of the salary cap, because of revenue sharing, uh, you can buy one and not have to lose twenty five million dollars a year and compete for a Stanley Cup. You know that that doesn't. That is a more challenged situation in Major League Baseball. Uh, it, it, it certainly uh, exists in the NFL, where everybody can compete because of the cap. Uh, and in the NBA, what's nice is versus the NHL. I mean, the NHL has its advantages versus the NBA. Is is you know the NBA owners can just blow by it, uh, the cap, as we've seen with the Clippers, the Golden State Warriors. NHL owners, they're protected from themselves. They just, you just can't do that. Uh, and, and so you can't just spend your way into uh, that kind of luxury tax territory. Players so, hate that stuff because yeah. during collective bargaining, you always hear agents and players will say what the, what the owners are looking for is an idiot-proof system. And, and, yep. Yeah. How about the the other direction? The the, the San Jose Sharks are have had a very rough start San to the, Jose the NHL. They won the, wait, they won yesterday. Season. They they did win their first. I believe their first game. I'm uh, looking last for my night. logos. Have been helping. Where's um, San Jose? They're not as far down as I think maybe people might think. But but if this continues to be a historically bad season for the Sharks, the, their attendance is twenty two. I think it's the second lowest in the in the in the NHL behind the the the, the Coyotes for obvious reasons. Um, how how much does a does a catastrophically bad on ice performance in a single year affect valuations, or do you think next year if if they have one of the worst seasons in NHL history that they will be they will rise kind of roughly commensurate with with all the other NHL teams? Well, Phoenix should be rising. We sorry, had to do it. Sorry, just, just ignore that. Kurt. <laughs> uh, San Jose, we have up this year, and, and it's yeah. probably just a reflection. I mean, it, it, they're up multiple places, uh, but those teams are really clumped together. So, uh, it, the, the percentage gain maybe, 
the rise in number of spots just because of how many are clumped together uh, isn't really re reflective of, of how bad they've been this year. It's we, We've bumped them up as a reflection of just how much money is in that market. Uh, mm. And that even though they are so bad, a new owner would be kind of chomping at the bit because new owners can always think they can fix things. Uh, they always come in and have better ideas. So uh, a, a historically bad year in, in a market like that that has so much wealth in it uh, should not have a long-term detriment to the value. Uh, yeah, if you have a two, three, four-year run like that and, and revenues fall off a cliff and then you have to rebuild that fan base, that's that's where you really run into problems. Uh, mm -hmm. but, but the northern, the Bay Area, New York, Chicago, Boston, I mean, these areas are swimming in so much money uh, that, that a you know, we, 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 we see this all the time. You know, if there's only one whale shows up at the auction... Price doesn't drive uh, go that much higher, but two, three, four people want this asset. That that's where you see valuations just skyrocket, and, and certain small markets, they're you're just limited on how many people would show up at an auction. All right, Kurt, we can end the NHL part of the discussion on this. I'm curious, how tight is the Maple Leafs hold on the top spot? Right, I mean we're we're looking at 200 million clear of the Rangers, 400 million clear of the Montreal Canadiens. But how tight is that stranglehold? Would you see more opportunity for them, for the Rangers? Montreal, if you're looking 15, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, which one wins the race? God, it's hard to bet against a single market team in, 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 in Toronto's biggest city. It's more than 50% larger than Montreal, uh, the population, so much wealth in it. Toronto versus New York. Yeah, Toronto. Toronto uh, versus New York. No, it's 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 hockey in Canada. We saw it in the oh, Ottawa. We yeah. saw it in the Ottawa sale. I mean, Ottawa is it's the one of the one of the national sports. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is one of the national sports, uh, and, and obviously we can see how you can optimize revenue. They control an incredibly valuable building uh, that that runs through a ton of events. Uh, their their lock on the top spot. It, it is unanimous. Everybody I, I talk to, I mean, they, they don't take anybody over Toronto. Um, and, and so I, I think, you know, in the same way the Cowboys have the top spot in the NFL, the Yankees are locked in uh, in MLB. I think Toronto's um, solidified its hold at the top spot in the NHL uh, to the same degree. I would love to see the Maple Leafs and the Rangers just hit the market at the same time. Just for, forget <laughs> about for all Sportico. the yeah. Forget yeah. about for the us. principles <laughs> of it all. Forget about you know yeah. the underpinnings. Just the trophy asset, the desire, yeah. the ego, the everything into play, and see how high those go. That would be fun. That would uh, be fun. I mean, those are two just crazy trophy assets that are, that are very hard to to value because and, and they don't trade either. You know, right. and you yeah. it's a once it's a once in a generation chance to buy this. You're not, you're not probably going to get another chance for 30, 40 years. Uh, and, and so the, the, you know, the sky's the limit for uh, those two franchises in particular, I would say, yeah. Evan, I will leave it up to you. Do you want to end the show uh, there, or do you want to continue with your scoop from the NWSL since Kurt's here as well? I'll look it up. He's yeah, like, yeah, I want to talk about my work. I want to talk about my work. What is <laughs> yes, yes, let us discuss my good work. Go ahead. Let's Go do, ahead, yeah, let's do two minutes. Uh, news that, that Sportico broke uh, this week, Kurt, the OL Reign, one of the NWSL teams, the team in Seattle, one of the two teams that is currently uh, in the market, 
uh, about to be sold. Uh, the Seattle Sounders of MLS are in advanced talks to buy the OL Reign. Um, the thing that jumps out to me on this, uh, we say it all the time, it, it feels like everyone that buys sports teams now is someone that already owns a sports team in some ways. The, 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 these like super owners or the collection of assets because of synergies, because they're already exposed to and understand the the uh, the asset class that we're talking about. Um, th- th- I think that's one of the things that jumps out to me. But you just did NWSL valuations as well. Uh, the, the numbers in that league are, are crazy. What do you make of if this deal happens? happens the sounders and and the and, and the ol rain going under the same ownership group 100 percent. there's a lot of synergies in there uh, these guys have had a look under the hood uh, on on the finances already uh in the seattle market and, and what they have to think about and, and maybe there's a long-term solution here uh playing in lumen field playing lumen playing field, in yeah. the seahawks is great you drive a Which lot of attendance yeah. but do you, do you want to control your own destiny? So I, I think soccer-specific stadium with those two clubs uh, headlining, co-tenants uh, headlining it would, would makes a ton of sense. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna take you're gonna take a hit on your total attendance because you're not gonna build a 35-40,000 seat stadium. Uh, but but being able to control all the economics in there makes a lot of sense. So having two teams under the same umbrella uh, seems like a no-brainer. Yeah, I would think you get a peek at BizDev and say, yeah, it's not all that sophisticated. Roll it up into what we have already, and you know, we can make a real go of this. Yeah, the, it's funny. The, inter- the, the other team that's for sale right now is, is the Portland Thorns. And they are being unwound from the MLS team in their market, right? So, so the buyer of the Portland Thorns needs to deal with the idea that you're losing the the, the support and the overlap of staffing and stuff that you're talking about, Scott. That comes with right. the Thorns and the Timber together. And then the other NWSL team that's for sale is essentially being absorbed into that into that scenario. It's an interesting kind of push and pull there, back and forth. All right, close it out. You know, first Alrighty. of all, first of all, I'll thank Kurt. You know, let me. You know, we oh, lo- we love okay. we love having Bodenhausen on. Kurt, but fine. Well, shit, we'll get, we're gonna make T-shirts that say uh, Kurt 100 percent Bodenhausen. We'll get it out there. And you can follow him at, at K Bodenhausen on. Uh, hey, he on, came on prepared. Twitter. Good for you. Came prepared. I know Kurt's off the off the top. Right. You can follow Scott Soshnick on Twitter at Soshnick. I am Evan Novi Williams. You can follow me at Novi underscore Williams. The Sportacast is produced by Aaron Greenewald. Thank you very much to Aaron. Sportico's digital media editor Cora Veltman would like you to know that you can follow the show at Sportacast, which is the hub of the Sportico Media Network. <laughs>